back to another episode of Raptors Review. Ben, are you despondent? Give me your top five adjectives or descriptors for how you're feeling right now. Fuck, 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 fuck. We're doomed, Aaron. This Raptors team is destroying my mental right now. Um, Maybe it's also the winter blues, but that in combination with how the Raptors have performed in the last couple of weeks, I went away, had a great cottage weekend, come back and just nothing good has happened. Nothing good has happened. Aaron, walk, talk me off the ledge here, or are you just as despondent as I am? So we haven't done an episode in two weeks, so there's a lot of games to cover. To, cover. to say nothing good has happened would be false. To say this team doesn't look good right now would be absolutely accurate. We are taping this right as the Raptors finish up losing a away away game double not a double header but back-to-back games against the Orlando Magic one of the worst teams in the league the Raptors lose both of those so understandably we're a little uh we're a little despondent right now but instead of starting off there let's start off where the Raptors started this two uh this two-week stretch of games which was Against the Cleveland Cavaliers at home, the Raptors won that one 100 to 88. The Cavs were without Jared Allen, but the highlight of that game, because we're going to, we got a lot of games to go through, so we're going to go fast here. OG Ananobi just absolutely locking down Donovan Mitchell, you know, looking like one of the best defenders, especially on the perimeter in the league right now. Did you have anything else from this game you wanted to talk about? Low scoring game, though. Yeah, not really. I mean, we know OG. He he's all defensive player. Like he's he's elite, and he did a great job this game. Yeah, I don't have a ton to add. This honestly is a distant memory for me at this point. This Cavs win feels so far away. I feel, it, feel it good does after feel, that because that that yeah. is a good win. The Cavs are one of the best teams in the East and are definitely going to be a playoff team. And so, you know, we'll take that win. But I don't know, Aaron. There's stuff. Po- there's stuff after this Cavs win. We got to get to. Sure. So then Wednesday in New Orleans, the Raptors went up against Zion and only Zion on the Pelicans with uh, CJ McCollum and Brandon Ingram being out with injuries. And uh, they got completely demolished. That first half, the Pelicans played some of the cleanest, most beautiful basketball I've seen this season. And the Raptors just were no match for it. Zion is is just completely unstoppable now. He looks like Duke Zion athletically, plus more skill, savvy, passing everything from his his limited seasons in the NBA. But he is he's playing like a top five player right now. And this this game, I think, was a bit like his coming out party because he had had a slow start to the season, he got hurt, missed a week, then came back, and now he's like this was I think his first game where he just completely dominated. OG Ananobi had no shot at guarding him, which is. We just came from saying, oh, he locked up Donovan Mitchell, who's a crazy athlete himself, but Zion's just in another universe. Yeah, and I think to add on to what was so impressive for Zion here is, you know, the Raptors have so many guys with long wingspans, pretty mobile, pretty fast, can guard on the perimeter. Zion was just blowing by everybody. He didn't care. Like, the Raptors, it felt like they were just pylons for him. There was no resistance he could just get to the rim at will. And I, I thought the Raptors would have a ton of different defensive options. They could switch everything. It just, you know, like Zion goes one-on-one and no one no one can stay in front of him. That first step is just so fast. He's so explosive. 
yeah, I, I'm totally with you on the Zion hype train. He has been incredible recently. If he stays healthy, you know, the Pelicans are, the, I think, the top seed in the West right now. The sky's the limit for this team. And you might be right Zion. about them being a dark horse MVP yeah. candidate here. Like, it's, yeah, it's all on the table. <laughs> My Zion stock is is rising quite fast right now. I'm glad I held. Uh but like this is a limited team with the Pelicans, right? They're missing two of their top players outside of Zion and they just got completely crushed. The final score here, if I didn't say it already, 126 to 108. Um, the Pelicans are humming right now. You're playing a team that that's well coached. That's, that's playing hard. The, the players know the roles and whatnot. And it's all fitting into place around Zion. But I think you would hope that even if you lost, it would have been closer than it was. Yeah. Yeah, the Raptors, they got punched in the mouth early and just kind of looked out of it for the rest of the game. Yeah. Next game was against the Brooklyn Nets uh, Friday night at at Brooklyn here. The Raptors lost this one, 114-105. to 105. This game was not close, though. At the end of the first quarter, I believe that they were getting more than, their score was more than doubled. Uh, it was 41-17 to 17 after the first quarter. Uh, and this game, it got a little bit close down the stretch, but it was never close. They got completely blown out here. They were down and, 30 at one point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In the first Which, half. <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, like the Nets, the Nets are a good team, especially if they're shooting well, but yeah, they just got completely trounced, which is disappointing. It happens sometimes. It's a long season, but yeah, not the like Nets, this. The Nets and Kyrie Irving in particular, when he's played against the Raptors, it feels like Kyrie just doesn't miss when he plays against us. He's had our number. He's been storing up all of his Raptors killing magic with not being able to travel to Toronto. And so now he's bottled it all up and he just scores at will whenever he faces us. It's uh, I don't know. I'm always I always come away impressed with how he plays against the Raptors because it just feels yeah. like he can do whatever he wants and doesn't miss shots. <laughs> The Raptor or the Raptors are now 0-3 against the Brooklyn Nets, and uh, they played their fourth game of the season this week. So hopefully they can get a win against this team that's uh, a little bit above 500. But they're not they're not a world beater team. But yeah, disappointing so far how those games have gone. All right, let's move on from Brooklyn to the Orlando Magic, who are going to feature a lot here. The Raptors beat the Orlando Magic at home at the end of the back-to-back there on Saturday. Uh, so that's the entire last week that we didn't do. The Raptors won that one 121-108. to uh, this, was, this was a nice win. Took care of business against the tanking team. Uh, that's not going to be the story forever, though. <laughs> Let's talk about all of the Orlando Magic games. How about that? Let's, sure. let's run through the rest of the week yeah. here. Yeah. The Raptors like, just, they look, it actually, when the run of play, it looks like these teams are actually just evenly, like the matchup is pretty even. Like no team is really winning the run of play either way. Like there's some hot shooting from the Magic, but just, it, <laughs> they look like they're just a competitive matchup around two teams that that are, I don't know. It's so dis- It's so depressing to watch this half court. I'm going to give a bit of credit to the magic here. I can't, I came away from these games, the the three games here that they played pretty impressed. I I thought the magic were more competent than I was expecting. Cause I'll be honest. I haven't, I'm not watching the magic on league pass here. Like I'm not tuning into any magic games outside of when the Raptors are playing them. And so this is my only sample size. I knew Bancaro was doing well, but you know, he looks really good. Franz Wagner is the real deal. 
he has been absolutely cooking against us. He didn't have a great first game, but against he's like matching up against Scotty Barnes and just torching him. Feels like he has a point to prove about, you know, getting drafted below Scotty. I'm sure that's on his mind a little bit. And right now he's looking like by far the better player. And yeah, the magic all in all, like Bull Bull is it turned into a pretty nice prospect for them. He's been playing well. Cole Anthony plays with a lot of confidence. Like they have a pretty solid team. It's better yeah. than I was expecting. It's solid, but they also I think they're really well coached. They play hard. They play hard last year. They play hard this year. They're long. They're active. And that's really all it takes is to stifle this Raptors team in the half court is just play hard and be big. And, you know, you're going to neutralize. They have just as much length as the Raptors do. They have more length more. than the Raptors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're one of the few teams that is longer. And, you know, if you play hard and you're long, like if Freddie can't do anything, it's hard for Pascal to take advantage of mismatches if you're willing to double. And the Raptors don't have the spacing to to take advantage of teams that are a little bit sloppy, like the magic are. Yeah. I mean, Pascal is still, let, let's talk about the two losses here that came back to back the Friday, the Friday night loss. I thought in particular, the Raptors played some pretty poor defense until late in the second yeah. half when they decided to really step it up and started, were able to force a lot more turnovers and make the game close. Cause they were down 20 at one point in the third quarter and Pascal Siakam had an awesome game. He was the only good thing happening for the Raptors on offense, pretty much. Like he was carrying, hitting shots, got them back in the game. Then down the stretch, they were down two points near the end of the game. Yeah. They ran a play. Yeah. They get they did a handoff to Fred and just let Fred go one on one. And he drove in and then had to take a really tough fadeaway jumper in the paint. And I just don't get why we're giving Fred the ball like on these late possessions because just as a one-on-one player, it's so difficult for him to get good looks. It's like he never has a good matchup. And so if anyone can stay with him, it's just the, the shot quality is going to be so low. You have to give someone taller the ball there. I think you have to give Siakam the ball, OG the ball. It's just like someone else. One, there's only one choice. It's, it's, it should be Siakam. It should yeah. be Siakam. But if it... But even as a second option, like you, usually these plays that the design have more than one option. And so it's like yeah. Siakam was stifled and they couldn't get him the ball. It's like the second option I don't think should be Freddie at this point because it's just the way he's played this season. If he's not coming off a screen and taking an open look, it's just probably not a good shot. Yeah, I saw an interesting tweet is that uh, Fred Van Vliet is the only player in the league whose field goal percentage is lower than his minutes per game. <laughs> and I think he's averaging like 37, 38 minutes per game. And he's shooting oh less than that from the floor. He's always had a low field goal percentage, but it, it, this year he's just, he's really struggled, especially these last two weeks. He's been healthy. It's just the shots not falling and he's pretty much, he's completely reliant on jump shooting to score. And it's, he's going through a rough stretch because he, yeah, whatever, whatever he worked on the off season to like get more separation, become a better scorer, more well-rounded, like find other ways to, to contribute. It just, it hasn't worked. And I, I think I was right about this and that sort of last year was peak Freddie. Yeah. And yeah. I, it looks I think like that's the decline totally is vindicated. Yeah. I, I think it's too early to call it a decline because I, I think the three point quality, like he's shooting 33% from three this season, which is, the lowest he's ever shot. And like watching these games, I think the threes he's taking 
are generally fine. But even in this in this Friday night loss that they had, he had two threes that not terrible looks, but he he banked them like yeah. the, the the misses were so bad. I don't, unless he was intentionally trying to bank them, but that's <laughs> no pretty one tries rare. to bank threes. Yeah. Uh, like he had two banked threes that missed, and it's just like yeah, there's something going on right now. Like he's definitely in a slump. I think there's such a large sample size of Fred being an elite shooter that I don't want to get too, too worried about it. Oh, yet. I, but, I don't think but he's the a bad shooter stuff is the concern. I don't yeah. think he's a bad shooter, but I think that the space that he can create is just a little bit. He's, he's just not as dynamic as he was last year and he's just a step slower. And you know, whether that's injuries or just like not being as confident with everything, you know, it's yeah. resulting in him taking tougher shots and not, not hitting them as well. Um, yeah but it's also yeah i don't know the threes i don't think the shot quality has changed too much the two point stuff for sure but it's whatever's happening right now is is pretty brutal and i mean that's just the tip of the iceberg here yeah i mean against okay so these magic games as a group franz wagner especially like these last two games it just dominated the raptors they couldn't guard him on the friday night game he went off for i think it was 34 points yeah, 34 points, yeah. 12 of 15 from the floor. Like, you just, they just couldn't stay in front of him. He was always getting to his left hand. And I don't know, it's just frustrating seeing the Raptors' defense not be able to make adjustments on guys that are good, but not, you know, he's not like a world beater. Franz Wagner is going to be difficult to sort of make inefficient, but he also shouldn't be completely dominating you. Yeah, he, he's a player that's good, but sh- like, especially for this team, should yeah, be the very Raptors guardable. have the have the guys to cover him, right? We have the personnel, but I, I a lot of the defensive problems right now. I don't want to put all the blame on Scotty, but Scotty's defense is not good in this the Sunday night game here against Orlando. Late in the game, Franz Wagner hit two threes that were wide open. One was off Scotty just getting blown by by Cole Anthony on the perimeter, which forced help from the corner and gave Franz an open three that Scotty just stopped closing out on halfway. And like I think it wouldn't have affected the release too much, but you still generally almost always see the Raptors flying out to try and challenge, and Scotty just gave up. Maybe he was gassed, but that's not really a great excuse. And then another one, he just in in transition just stopped guarding him and just like left him wide open at, for, at the three-point line and gave him another wide open three. And it's like these blown defensive possessions. There's so many miscues in every game from Scotty on defense where he's either playing defense too tight to his man, just getting blown by, not providing resistance, not, not chasing, or he's missing rotations and just causing chaos on the help side. It's just like, there's a lot of problems for Scotty on defense right now. And I think, we haven't seen any growth on that end in terms of his defensive IQ and understanding where to be. Like this, the second year, Scotty, you would think he would start getting better on defense as the game slows down. That really hasn't happened for me. And, and there's been enough games in the season so far that I, I'm pretty concerned about the trajectory for his defense because he does have the tools. And it's just like, do you have the brain to put these pieces together and like actually utilize your tools to their full capability and so far the answer is no and i mean granted he is young and like i don't want to you know five years from now this could look like a silly thing and he could be a great defensive player well i think it's always going to be accurate yeah 
Yeah. What right, it turns yeah. into, we don't know, but right now it's not good. Yeah. And you hope that players are developing and growing. And right now he's stagnating and slumping and doesn't look like he has confidence. And that's ble- that's bleeding onto the offensive end as well, where he's been very lackluster, not aggressive. And just like offensively, he's he's actually like he's stifling their offense because he can't shoot. Players aren't respecting him. And he, they're just leaving him open for jumpers and he keeps taking them. And he's not able to create. He's not getting into the paint and forcing help and making passes. So if it's not in transition, he's not really doing anything. And yeah, Scotty, Scotty's looking like a disaster so far this season. Yeah, it's been numbers, enough. It's been enough games. <laughs> some numbers to compare. So this is comparing his rookie season to this season, right? So the the totality of his rookie season, which included the terrible start and sort of the good second half of the year, to just what's happened this year so far. He's averaging almost the same amount of minutes. He's shooting about 5% less uh, effectively from two-point on less attempts per game. He's shooting marginally better from three, although it's 32%, so nothing to write home about. He's attempting almost one less free throw per game, down from three to two. He has fewer offensive rebounds than last year. He has, uh, well, he has more assists this year. He has less blocks and steals, and he has more turnovers and less points like you're you're not really seeing growth from scotty at this point no growth is not linear right there's a lot of learning that goes on until you actually start to see results but what's concerning is that we're not uh and this is from a discussion with nathan is that we're not seeing the flashes of greatness right now right now it's when he is effective it's being effective in ways that are very average like you know just getting an offensive rebound or finishing a play underneath the rim or something like that it's not spectacular stuff that he's creating that he's making an impact for it's just basically being a role player that that he's impacting the game so we're not seeing those flashes that that make you think that he could be one of the top players for for a championship level team which is like we were seeing more of that last year and less of it this year which is not the direction you want it to go in yeah so with that being said, Aaron, what what do you think the Raptors should do about Scotty Barnes right now? Is there any oh, they, action they have, that they need to take? No, they have, in no, terms they have of, no choice here. They they just keep stay the course and, and you think just let him like continue playing 35 minutes game starting. Yeah. Do you think like there's any logic oh, or merit I think, to him coming off the bench for a couple games? Oh, that kind of thing. I, in terms of the rotation, yeah. I think cutting his minutes would would help. Uh, like certainly help the team win, um, but I don't. You wouldn't want to go too extreme there. I don't. I don't care I, if he starts yeah. or not. But I think the flip side of this is like if you do like right now, he isn't being a super useful player in terms of helping them win. And if all you're concerned about is winning, you cut his minutes. But does that cut his confidence and hurt his development? Like I think you know, there's there's two sides to that coin. I think you can you're you're gonna have a lot of Raptors fans, myself included who are totally panicking after losing to the Orlando Matic twice. And it's like the sea- the sky is falling. The season is over. We need to do, we need to make changes, but I don't think in terms of Scotty, I, I think it's still, I think you have to ride this out. His long-term yeah. potential is too important to this team to really try and do anything that could sabotage him and further hurt his performance. Yeah, certainly like you, you want to support him and sort of help him be the best player he can be. 
Um, but let, let's get caught up right now. There's the, in between the, the Magic's game on Saturday last week and the two games this week, the Raptors played the Boston Celtics and the Los Angeles Lakers, and they lost to the Celtics 116-110. to 110. Pretty happy with how the Raptors played in this one. It was a close game. The Celtics are just, they're the best team in the league right now. Um, so it doesn't sting too much to lose to them. The, the Celtics made a bunch of great plays, hit a bunch of shots. You know, you can't get, you can't get too mad about that loss. And then the Raptors beat the Los Angeles Lakers 126 to 113. And you're like, oh, the Lakers, like they've been playing well recently. This is a good win. No. Anthony Davis and LeBron sat this one out as it was on the second night of a back-to-back. So we got the poo-poo platter of the Los Angeles Lakers and uh, Raptors blew them out. But, you know, this isn't this isn't a good win. <laughs> the Los Angeles Lakers without LeBron and AD are probably the worst team in the league. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Lonnie Walker took the most shots for that team and... Yeah, it, there's nothing. There's nothing really to note from that. They the Raptors took care of business, which is nice because I guess we can't take that for granted anymore. You cannot. But <laughs> but yeah, like, like, I think we should. So in this the stretch. one bright spot, like let's talk about the Celtics game a little bit more because I think that was a bright spot in terms of being competitive with the best team in the league. And the Celtics aren't. I think it's just saying the best team in the league is a bit of an understatement here. They've been dominant. They've been blowing out Especially other top teams. Yeah, yeah. J- Jason Tatum is an MVP candidate. Jalen Brown's like an All NBA contender. Like he's had a leap this season, and so they have a really dynamic one-two with a super deep team around them. In the Raptors game, they were without Malcolm Brogdon and Al Horford, and they still don't have Robert Williams back. And you know they didn't skip a beat. Blake Griffin came in and actually gave them really <laughs> solid minutes. It was really depressing to see Blake Griffin getting buckets on us, <laughs> blowing uh, by Scotty Barnes a couple times. Yeah, yeah, and it's like that can't be happening. But uh, yeah, I mean, I that was like the the one moral victory of the week to me. Like the Lakers yeah, win. I agreed don't care there. About. Agreed there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What were you gonna so, say? To wrap up this this two week stretch, the Raptors went three and five, and that's playing the Magic three times, playing a Lakers team that you should automatically win against, right? So just not a not a great stretch of basketball for the Raptors. The overall record now is thirteen and fourteen. I was looking through the Raptors sort of game by game stuff. They haven't won or lost more than two games in a row this season. It, it really feels like they just like have struggled to capitalize on some easy parts of the schedule. They haven't strung a bunch of wins together. This is a team that is struggling for consistency and it shows in the record. Like right now, I think they're ninth in the East. They, I'd say that's certainly where they deserve to be. And this record I think is pretty indicative of how they played this season, which is pretty mediocre. Yeah. And it, it's disappointing because coming into the season, I think we both, Thought they would be a close to a 50-win team. Yep. Maybe like fourth, fifth seed in the East. They're running everyone back from last year, which was a really solid team. They'd have that continuity. A slightly improved bench, we hoped. Like The bench is improved. And, and yeah, the bench isn't really to blame right now. I think the big issue that we're seeing with this team is the offense is Pascal Siakam, and he's taken a huge gr- leap. No one else is filled into that second role. Like OG's had a couple of nice stretches, but that let's, was without Siakam. Let's be a little and... more, more precise in sort of how we're diagnosing this, this Raptors illness right now. 
I think it's on the guards. Because like you said, yeah. Pascal has improved over last year. Scotty hasn't, but he's also not that much worse than last year. Like, but I think especially, in terms of the, a ha- especially beginning of the season, right? Yeah. OG's yeah, healthy. Sure. Last year, he missed a lot of the year, right? And then who are the main guys, right? It's having Freddie and Gary Trent last year. They were both good shooters, streaky at times. Freddie was an all-star in the first half of the season. Gary Trent is looking like, oh, this guy's going to be like a $25 million player. How are we going to keep him? And now Gary Trent looks like a minimum level player. And Freddie is <laughs> <That's> not... <laughs> Gary's not quite minimum level, like ten million a year player, maybe. Yeah, I know because of yeah. his past yeah, performance. Yeah. But if all you had to go by was the season, he wouldn't be making a lot of money. Uh, yeah, and Freddie is looking like a player who you wouldn't want to commit to very for for long because he's potentially starting to decline already. And uh, you know, like the, their backcourt has just been one of the worst yeah. in the league. I mean, yeah, the the biggest drop drop off has been the offense of Fred VanVleet, which has evaporated, right? Like the shooting yeah. that we already talked about. Gary Trent about, as well, right? Yeah, but to me, Gary, like Gary, is always going to be more of a fifth, fourth, fifth option on an offense on a team, and like you know, in spurts, he can be the second guy on a bench unit, and he's still shown some flashes of that here and there with a couple hot shooting games. But yeah, like the shooting has slumped a bit. But but Fred is the guy who was, you know, the number one option on this team for good stretches of the season last year and, you know, has been a quite frankly, a disaster offensively in terms of the actual effectiveness this season, just without being a, an elite shooter, he's just not doing anything useful for them. Like his passing's OK, but, you know, he's a point guard. You have to be able to pass a bit. And Scotty was the guy that a lot of people were hoping would slot up take a jump on offense and be able to be more of a second creator around Siakam. And that hasn't materialized at all. Like the problem is also Scotty on offense, right? It's Scotty, yeah, Freddie, Gary. None of these guys has stepped up to the plate to be a second option on offense. And so you're left with a bunch of guys that are like fourth, I fifth think, options at best. I think like stepping up is almost like a disservice to like how bad Gary Trent has been. And Freddie to some degree, like they've been disasters. Yeah. And yeah, you know, like it goes away from being, let's say, an average to below average backcourt as far as like across the league goes to being, I think, probably one of the worst, like definitely bottom three, I would say. Like we're talking like Spurs, like Magic. (laughs) The Spurs are pretty bad. (laughs) Yeah. But there's just not a lot of other teams that have gotten worse play from their guards. And it's hard to win in a guards league with terrible guards. And I'm not saying that, that they are terrible. They just played terrible. Yeah. And, and the other problem is that we don't have any options off the bench. Uh, like Delano Banton and Malachi Flynn have two, the two worst net ratings on the Toronto Raptors. Like both those guys, when they come on the floor, yeah, they're not, they're not solutions at all. Yeah. yeah. They are they're <laughs> solutions. But speaking and of so, solutions, like, is this team broken? Is it just these guys need to play better and we just need to ride it out and they're going to they're going to fix it? Is it coaching? Is it you know the way that the roster is structured? What needs to happen here for the Raptors to realize their potential? Because I think you and I both agree that this team is better than 13 and 14 and should be more on 50 win pace than 500. I certainly thought that two weeks ago. And now 
I'm feeling a lot less certain about that take. And granted, this is coming. Yeah, I don't know. It's tough because I, I I react emotionally to the Raptors, and I'm trying to had like channel don't. the logical, rational part no, of my brain. That, that's my but job. But these two losses, react emotionally, these two losses man. to Orlando, just leave me feeling like this team has no future with this current roster. Like the our our combo of guards here in the playoffs. Like Fred is struggling in the regular season. The league is trending to more and more tall, lengthy players. He's just not going to be able to get shots off ever in a playoff series. It's going to get even worse. And so as, as a guy on this team, like the way, the way this roster is structured and with the way he's getting paid, he needs to be able to be a secondary offensive option. And he just can't be that guy. And maybe it's a slump, but I think just from what we've seen this season, even if he shoots better, it's not drastically changing our offense. And we need another person that can create. And I, I honestly think we need a trade. I think Gary's probably got to go as well because he's an expiring contract or he has an option after this year, which most people thought he would decline. But given how he's played, he might opt into his like $18 million option for next year. But like, but it, it's, you're also trading these guys at their lowest point. They're both slumping and trading on them now is you're definitely not getting top dollar back for them. And so it's like, if you're trading them, are you just tanking and getting worse? Do you trade Siakam as well? Do you trade OG and just totally tear it up? Like, are you going for Wembenyama? I think this team is too good to do that, but it feels like that's not out of the realm of possibility, which feels insane considering where this team was a few weeks ago. I don't know. I'm, I'm crazy. I don't understand what's happening now. I think you're going a little bit too far with the tanking. They have 13 wins already. It's, it's a little bit too late to blow it up, but there was an interesting report on the low post this week's Zach, Zach Lowe's podcast. If you are into basketball in a hardcore sense, you should definitely give that a listen. Uh, Everyone has listened to the low post. Yeah. If you don't already, that, if that you're listening to this podcast, I hope you've listened to the low post before much yeah. higher quality, <laughs> but he said that he's heard a scuttlebutt around the league that if the Raptors keep stay around 500, that things are going to happen with this team. Uh, and, I think that could that could involve sort of stripping it for parts. Uh, watching this team play against the Magic certainly makes you feel like that is the right course of action here. And if we're talking about stripping it for parts, which parts have the most value here? What, what parts? Because we're, we're talking about Freddie and Gary Trent as being the problems of this team, but you're absolutely right that because they're the problems with this team, you probably also aren't going to get a lot for them. So what what players could you get a lot for and how much could you get for them? All right. Well, Siakam is the obvious guy that's going to get the biggest haul for sure. No questions asked. So what's tough about realizing Siakam's value is that he needs to have the ball in his hands to be the creator. And how many playoff teams actually lack a creator? But it's always better to have more than one creator, Aaron. Sure, but he's not a great he's not a great floor spacer. So how much are you gonna give up for a guy that is like a decent creator and sort of a solid all around player, right? Like I think I think most teams I mean, look at Siakam and be like he fits he's he's best in the role as the primary creator. Outside of that, his value goes down. Like 
sure, but he's also basically he's probably like borderline top fifteen player. He's like around that level, right? In this role, right? But if you're trading him to a contender, presumably that's who would want him. Is they already have guys like that? I mean, like sure, but it's like having more weapons is good. Yes, it's like right. But how much are you? How much are you going to trade? Like you're if you if you want. A secondary weapon you're not going to give up primary weapon price right so no it's like you look at the clippers and like you know it's like you, he's the paul george to like to Kawhi, right good as paul george okay not not quite but it's like you still give it if he takes you to the level of being like the inner circle contender from right but being but like french like i just is there name a contender that would that would trade for Pascal Siakam? Like I, I can't think of any. Let's like, um, think maybe the Grizzlies like want a second guy outside of Ja Morant, you know? But the Grizzlies would be a great option. But are, do they do they option. want a guy that might not be able to space the floor for them? Like all the moves that they made was to get rid of guys that weren't great for floor spacers. The Mavs, them. the Mavs would be a good option. Do they want some some guy that might not be able to space the floor? But it gives also, you another. Like, but how how is that a good option for the Mavs? He's he's going to be spotting up in the corner, in their in their closing lineups. I think we've seen that the Mavs need another creator. Like Spencer Dinwiddie cannot right, be but, the second best player on that team. Uh, oh, for sure, for sure. But I don't think Pascal's fixing that. You, the second the secondary creator needs to be able to shoot the ball. I mean, yeah, I think you can get away with one guy that can shoot okay. And Siakam's shot better this year. He's probably he's shooting yeah, around 35%. Like, right, but our, our teams aren't scared of him, right? Come playoff yeah. time, people are going to leave him open. All right, the Warriors? The Warriors are a team that's interesting. Yeah. They're a team that's interesting for sure. But what, what are the Warriors going to trade? You're going to get one some of the young prospects, right? Draymond plus prospects slash picks. I think... The Warriors would be insane to trade Draymond for Pascal. <laughs> Draymond is like a better fit and a better player on the Warriors than Pascal is. Uh, I don't think so. I think Draymond is great, but I, I, I honestly, they'd probably try and trade other salary that can. I just Wiggins maybe. Would you like trade Wiggins no. and picks? It's it's got to be Clay. You think it's got to be, be Clay? Picks. Yeah. Clay just had a nice 30 point game uh, against yeah. the Celtics and annihilated them. Um, but in that case, you're, you're dumping yeah. Clay, right? Like it's tough. It's tough to find trades for Pascal Siakam, right? The Celtics. So, there's no way they do that. There's no way. Uh, but there's, there's a guy that is easy to find trades for. Everyone would benefit by having OG and Anobi on their team. He's a player that makes sense on every team. And I think he's the guy that because he has a player option after next year, he's certainly going to decline that because he's going to get way more. He's a player that fits on every team. Like I said, I think he is the guy that if you're looking to sort of strip this team for for parts, that's where you're going to find the best return. Yeah. Yeah. Every team wants OG. Like you said, it's, it's a no-brainer that you get a haul for him because the three and D prototype that he's the perfect specimen for that, and you know, it's yeah, a seamless fit anywhere he goes. 
like that's the guy Memphis should go after. He would be great next to Ja. Same in same with Dallas, but I think Dallas has less assets. But this is depressing. Like if we're really trading, if we're trading OG, it would make sense to trade Pascal and Fred, right? It makes sense to get rid of the whole old guard because if you're trading OG, he's a guy that presumably you would want to be pairing with your developing core unless you're doing a full teardown. Like if you're like, oh, like we're building around Scotty now and we think we're going to be competitive in a couple of years from now. OG is still be a great guy on that team. And so you're going full tear. Would, if, if you could resign him, right? Yeah. But I mean, you have the inside track to that. Presumably you do, like, but his contracts you, a couple of years away, but if you suck and someone's going to have space for him in free agency, right? Like he's not a max player, but he's close to it. And so, you know, that's not, yeah, that's but not that's a, a that's a problem you don't need to address yet. You no, you, do, you don't have to trade OG. I'm not saying you have to. Yeah. I'm just saying yeah. that that's the guy that you're going to, that you can max out your value in your return right now. Next season, it's a rental, right? So that, that makes it tough to trade it. Like if you're going to trade OG, you got to trade him now that I think you got to, you got to decide on sort of the direction of your season and the, or not the season for the future of the entire franchise is if you know you can reassign him, great. You don't have to do anything. But if you don't know that you can reassign him, then you got to trade him. On the flip side, what if we get better rather than getting worse? Because that seems like a funner path to getting success. better. I would love to get better. <laughs> Gary, how Trent. can we get shy on this team? <laughs> shy would solve all of our problems. Yeah, shy for shy Gildas Alexander for those that aren't sure who we're talking about yeah from the oklahoma city thunder i mean you're gonna have to pay king's ransom for him like i i actually don't think you can trade for him right now i think the thunder would be crazy to trade him he is there there's just no way that that they should or could trade him <laughs> yeah the only way would be if he asked for a trade i don't think he's gonna do that yeah well it seems that we're in trouble aaron it, it does it does seem that way but ben i have a bet for you oh boy uh oh taking but advantage need, of my but I emotionally want, vulnerable state i want you okay. to set the line here okay so nick nurse has been this the the coach of this team for a few seasons now no coach lasts forever oh boy. how how many more seasons does nick nurse coach the toronto raptors Oh no. Oh no. This is a tough one. Is it zero would be he gets fired this season. One would be he gets fired sometime next season. Two would be after that. Where would you set the line for that? Oh boy. Um Asking tough questions you're, here. You're really preying on my vulnerability right now where I want to say just get rid of everybody. But Nick Nurse is absolutely not the problem here. And honestly, I think he's too good of a coaching talent for the Raptors to fire him. I think what could potentially happen is if the Raptors go through a drastic rebuild, if they give this another couple seasons... And they're like, no, we're tearing this all down for parts. And Nick Nurse has the pedigree of a coach who's like, I don't want to go through a rebuild and waste the next five years here being 
like the anonymous coach in Oklahoma City that no one can remember the name of, even though he's a great coach and has done a great job with his rebuilding team. It's just no one cares about that franchise because they're... Dagno. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Mark Dagno. I, I did remember his name, but I feel like he's, you know, he's gone completely under the radar. Nick Nurse can easily get an incredible coaching situation with a very talented team if he leaves the Raptors. He'd be so in demand. And so I, I think it could potentially be him leaving rather than getting fired. It could be a mutual parting of ways. But mm-hmm. I'm going to say... We'll consider I'm those take, scenarios. Yeah. I'm going to take the... Can I just say like over five years? I think sure. he's going to be here for a long time. Yeah, but I like happily take the under there. Really? Okay. Yes. I think we're starting to see signs of Nick Nurse overstaying his welcome a little bit. This team's defense has continued to fail in the same ways over and over and over again. And which which is like, I don't know if that's the personnel's fault or the coach is not putting in the best position to succeed, but it's it's a real thing. Like last year, the defensive talent should have been top 10. Wasn't this year, same thing. Uh, my, maybe maybe you can attribute that of like playing this hyper aggressive defense is knowing they're going to give it more points, but doing it to generate more turnovers and sort of betting that that pays off, but it hasn't. They have consistently had the league's worst half court offense, and there's some pretty bad teams out there, and they still have the worst half court offense. Now a lot of that is roster construction, but it's not like this team has no half court talent. You know, Pascal has emerged this year. You know they but have it's just like, Pascal, but they like, have good NBA players. Like Freddie's a good NBA player, Gary Trent's a good NBA player, OG's a good NBA player. Like they have these players that have tools, and this team has consistently been abysmal in the half court. Which I think that a lot, not a lot to do with coaching, but certainly good coaches I think can maximize a team's talents in that area, and the Raptors have not. Um, so like, I think those are a few coaching things. I mean, the coach, the coach's challenges have been terrible, but that doesn't really matter that much. So I I think there's, there's a few just, areas where, you know, things are not going as well as you would hope having one of the best coaches in the league. No, I, I agree with that. And I, my brain is tired. I've been just depressed and I kind of forgot how lines work. I was just like picking one of the options <laughs> out of like, I was like, in my mind, I was like, what is the most likely outcome out of these? But I would probably set the line at like three years. I, I would think happily take reasonable. the under on that. You're we'll, going to we'll set it at three years. They'll give you a mulligan okay. on that. Yeah. 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 And this is going to um, be a, a, a long one to monitor. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And but like, I mean, this is a small, a much smaller point of coaching, but the coaches challenges this season continue to be unimpressive to me. Yeah. A lot of them seem like you emotional. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of very emotional reactions where one of his stars, Pascal or Freddie gets in foul trouble and he just challenges the next foul that gets called on them, even when it has very little chance of getting overturned. And it's like, Granted, that should not be a Nick Nurse problem. There, like, there's a des- definitely a designated assistant that's telling him challenge or no challenge, or at least that's how it should be. <laughs> there yeah. should be someone with like a video screen that's actually looking at these things. But whoever's doing it needs to switch jobs because it's it's been pretty bad. Still, I think I'm probably going to win that challenge better. Unfortunately, I think you are, which is. 
disappointing, but I've won the Russell Westbrook one already. So yeah, I'm at least one up on you. All right. This Raptors team only plays two games this coming week. Ben, walk me through them. Try to get me excited for them because right now this team is pretty tough to watch. All right. Well, this is going to be easy because we can get excited about the team that the Raptors are playing rather than the Raptors. On Wednesday night, we're hosting the Sacramento Kings, the feisty Sacramento Kings. Light the beam. No longer the Kangs. They have been tearing up the league 14 and 11 right now. Good for fifth in the West. Aaron, they were my dark horse prediction to make the playoffs this year. Looking very possible at this point. They have a very spicy offense. Darren Fox is cooking. Sabonis is cooking. They got a bunch of young shooters around them. It's just a, it's a, it's a solid, really fun, fast tempo team. It'll be a fun matchup for the Raptors. I'm excited about watching the Kings. There's one name you didn't mention in there. And I had a really hot take about this guy, Kevin Herter. Have you ever yeah. heard of him? Yeah. Love Kevin Herter. Yeah. Crisp I said that shooter. the, the Hawks were going to be, we're going to wish that they kept him and didn't trade for DeJounte Murray. Uh, I think that is so far borne out to be true because he's been sensational for this team. But I think the Kings are like, I'm not saying they're, they're frauds. They have a good offense, but their defense still sucks. They've had a really good record in close games. I think this is more like a 500 team. And in the West, this that might be good enough to avoid the play-ins. So really happy for the Kings. But I don't think this team is, is serious, uh, especially not as a playoff team. This is just such a wet blanket take, Aaron. This is the King, the Kings we're talking about. They haven't made the playoffs in 20 yeah. years. Them making the playoffs, super exciting for that franchise. Absolutely. Super exciting. But the most exciting thing is not happening on the basketball court for this team. Their communications, marketing, whatever you want to call it, the light, the beam is the best innovation an NBA team has come up with in terms of the propaganda sphere in a long time. After a win, a home win, they light a giant purple beam outside, like on top of their purple stadium. Purple laser that shoots into space. How freaking yes. cool is that? Yes. And so the you know, hashtag light the beam. It's amazing. It's it's awesome. I hope no one tries to copycat this because it's just going to look like such a dumb thing trying to copy the Kings. But yeah, the Kings yeah. are cool now. The Kings have become cool again. I love it. Yes. I love that we're here for this and they've won over so many fans. All right, Aaron, that was only one of the games we have this week. So we're already excited about that. We can watch the Kings and pretend that they're not playing the Raptors. Um, on Friday night, we are again at home against the Brooklyn Nets. We do not have a good track record against Brooklyn this season. They oh, keep tricking us. And, you know, the one thing I want to talk about with Brooklyn, Yuta Watanabe, been a great role player for them. I really miss him on this Raptors team. He was just such a great dude. You know, he just tries so hard. I love the way he played. The shot has finally come around for him. He's now a good shooter. And it's just sad that it's happening on a different team. I feel like, you know, he's he's like my long lost love that I just, you know, can never quite. I'm losing this metaphor, but you just I miss. I, I was going to go in really I creepy directions. So I'm, yeah. I'm holding my tongue here. But yeah. you could never really quite. Just like keep hold of him. He just keep he just escaped, you know, and then just he's blossomed into a flower. But why couldn't he blossom into this beautiful flower? 
for the Raptors. I, I yeah, miss Utah. They they really tended the Utah Watanabe garden and put a lot of work into it. And then as soon as he left, but I mean, he's been hurt. He's still a minor role player. The The shot is hitting at an unsustainable rate. Uh, I don't wet know blanket this, Aaron here. Oh my God. I don't know. He's if, great. I'm I'm happy for the guy. I just don't, I don't know if, if this is blah like blah some... blah unsustainable. Everything he does is unsustainable. What is this? Come on, celebrate Utah. Utah's been had a great season. I don't. This is I can't deal with this wet blanketness, Aaron. I need to find <laughs> some joy in this podcast. The Raptors are just destroyed. Utah's my one source here, and now you're telling me it's unsustainable. I'm going to be finding some joy after this podcast by watching the Pelicans game today. Oh my god! Okay, we're just a Pelicans podcast now. Uh, might might be might be uh, if okay. yeah if we do if we do blow it up and like the last month of the season is just meaningless basketball this might turn into a Pelicans podcast. All right, then yeah, we got a couple we... of emails here and they are amazing. Uh, why don't you take the first one and I'll lead off with the second one. All right, sounds good. As I'm looking at these emails, I just want to note for our listeners here, Aaron in our notes has a little segment called Around the League, and it's just Zion, Zion, Zion in all caps going on for a, a whole line. Just we already talked about Zion that, against the Raptors, so I didn't need to I know, I just want to note that. that Aaron's yeah. Zion enthusiasm is a little insane. It's limitless. And, you know, You're it's being limitless. a wet blanket now. Yeah, yeah. okay. On to the emails. Hi, boys. Watching the first half of Cavs versus Raps, it dawned on me this matchup is what I want to see in the first round of the playoffs. Playoffs. I would love to see that in the playoffs. I'd love to see the Raptors make the playoffs at this point. Anyways, both teams are interesting in their play style, but both rosters have exploitable flaws. It makes for a very interesting matchup. Given that we are a quarter of the way through the season, it's well past time we start the playoff conversation. What are your dream first round playoff matchups around the league? What do you want to watch? This one's from Gavin. This was sent almost two weeks ago now. So I think our Raptors conversation in tune has changed a little bit since this email was sent. But Aaron, let's answer his question. Dream first round playoff matchups. I can think of a few, but I want to oh, hear I, from you. Give yeah. me one. We'll, we'll alternate here. Give me give me your yeah, okay. first one that comes we'll, we'll to do mind. It. We'll do a dream matchup uh draft here all right this is this is a really fun question so i'm gonna go not based on the standings although this one does fit the standings as well philly and brooklyn the ben simmons james harden (laughs) trade being litigated in the playoffs would just be the most entertaining tv uh that that is just like an easy it might not be like the, the highest level of basketball but it just doesn't get more fun than that. Joel Embiid and Kevin Durant talking shit to each other. Doc Rivers, you know, in the playoffs. Like, there's just so many storylines and so much drama between these franchises that uh, I think it'd be must-watch TV. That is that is a very good pick. Those storylines are pretty incredible. I've got. I'm looking at West in the Western Conference. The matchup that I want to see a repeat of. I think it was the first round from last year. The New Orleans Pelicans against the Phoenix Suns. Amen. This this has developed into a spicy rivalry. These teams hate each other. Jose Alvarado has Chris Paul's number, just knows how to get under his skin so well. The Pelicans had a close series with Phoenix last year. They were feisty, but they didn't have Zion. Now they have a super weapon, and I think they could expose Phoenix for the frauds that they are, and it would just be so satisfying to watch 
Chris Paul and Devin Booker just be so salty as they get absolutely annihilated. And yeah, there's always bad blood on the court with these two teams. It's just, it's energetic. It's fun. It's a great matchup. If you haven't seen the end of game uh, from Friday night, the Zion Williamson 360 windmill dunk, do yourself a favor and go look that up. That is a legit 10 of the dunk contest done in a game. And just, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Not just done in a game, done in the most BM way possible by (laughs) doing it at the end of the game when When you're up 10 and you're supposed to hold the ball. That's like the unwritten NBA rule. Hold the ball at the end of the game. Zion just goes for this insane dunk. Although it caused a post game kerfuffle. (laughs) I I totally agree. This sort of is unwritten rule. Most of the time people follow it, but there's plenty of, plenty of examples where the Phoenix suns have not followed that. And Chris Paul specifically hasn't followed that rule. So I feel no sympathy for them on this one. Yeah. I I don't, I don't, I don't think it's anything. It's like, if you don't get back on defense, if the other team dunks, it's like, you know, that's your fault. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. All right, what's uh, yeah, your next no, one, Aaron? This is the fantastic uh, pick on your part. Uh, my pick would be seeing the Clippers and the Warriors play. Uh, oh, okay. These are sort of, I think, two of the elite franchises from the last five years. The Clippers have sustained a bunch of injuries, and they've just never, you know, even the bubble, like the Warriors were not healthy this year. They just never, the stars have never aligned for these two like great franchises to have a playoff matchup and they play such polarizing styles of basketball where, you know, one is like the Steph centered offense where it's all movement. And the one is just the mid range ISO of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, you know, switch everything versus having the Warriors frenetic defense anchored by Draymond green is so, so polarizing and just seeing, I think two greats like Steph and Kawhi battle in the playoffs would be amazing to watch. And I, I'm here for it that's a it's a that's a good pick i'm trying to think of like potential realistic first round matchups right now and don't look I'm at, looking the at the standings yeah, <laughs> yeah the standings it, it, it makes it tough to find some other other truly compelling matchups i was going to go in a different direction with the clippers i was thinking the clippers and mavs have another <laughs> rematch oh, we, we've seen that though <laughs> we've seen that we've seen how that like it's a great it's great black it's great basketball it's, it's, it's great, great basketball. basketball but we've seen it before yeah. I, I want things that we haven't seen before i feel like there's there's so many sort of possible playoff iterations and so many of them are really interesting that we just never get and sort of seeing the same teams play each other over and over All right. again it feels I've like a waste for you then i've got yeah. one for you then portland versus LA the Clippers I'm talking about here (laughs) we get Dame going up against Paul George once again can he send him packing from another franchise with Dame time he sent him home with OKC and made him run to the Clippers like a little scared little baby needed help (laughs) from Kawhi um no I I want to see Dame again in the playoffs Dame always pulls out some incredible moments and He's got that history with Paul George. That would be fun as a little storyline. Yeah, that, that would be an interesting. I'd certainly watch. I'd certainly watch that series. Certainly. I'm struggling to come up with like a, a sort of a headliner that hasn't been done before in the East in particular. It's like who, who would be a good matchup for Boston? It's like, I don't know if they beat Philly. 
they've just Milwaukee. Milwaukee. We've seen that as like a matchup of the Titans. Like, I, I mean, it's not a first round matchup, but like a fully healthy Milwaukee versus Boston is the it's going to. Yeah, that that is gonna like be, potentially that's the, the battle level. of the juggernauts. Yeah, that's Godzilla versus but, King Kong. Right. But there. we saw most of that last year. Right. So it's hard to yeah. sort of be aching for aching to see that. Um, I don't know. I would love yeah. to see Denver and the Lakers play. Uh, just the sort of rematch of that of that bubble, you know, Jokic versus AD yeah. again. Uh, now Jamal Murray's healthy, but the Lakers are just too shit. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I was I was trying to really think of Lakers exciting. series. There's yeah. just nothing, nothing yeah. compelling there. I don't trust them to be good. All right, I yeah. think that I think we did a good enough job answering that question. Yeah, Aaron, let's move on to the next email here. All right, this one's from Nathan. The 2020 draft has been pretty shit. Among the trash, four players stand out above the rest. First overall pick, Anthony Edwards. Third overall pick, LaMelo Ball. Second overall pick, James Wiseman. No, no, he's not there. I, I made that up. I Sorry. Uh, 12th pick, Tyrese Halliburton. And 30th overall pick, Desmond Bain. Last season, there seemed to be a consensus that Ball and Edwards were the better pieces. But these two players keep raising red flags. Uh, Anthony Edwards coming in fat quote-unquote, for for an NBA player. Lamella Ball has just been injured this season. Uh, the other uh, two lower picks have taken third-year leaps that so many young stars take. If you were to do a redraft at just the top of the 2020 draft, what order would you take these players? All right, Ben, we can do another draft. I'll give you the first overall pick. Who are you taking? Oh, Redrafting oh. 2020 NBA draft. Your options. James Wiseman. Oh, sorry. No, we said top. Okay. Uh, Anthony Edwards, LaMelo Ball, Tyrese Halliburton, Desmond Bain. This is a really tough question right now. I've been on the LaMelo bandwagon for his whole career, but I think it's time to get off the LaMelo bandwagon. I don't think he's a winning basketball player. He doesn't play defense. The offense, the leadership there's so many question marks around his leadership. Like Charlotte has fallen flat over and over again with him. They've like flamed out in the play-ins pretty terribly. There's lots of rumors, like half the team is getting arrested. I just, I have serious concerns with Lomelo Ball as a franchise player. Anthony Edwards here, I think has the highest ceiling, but I think I'm going Tyrese Halliburton. Oh, he's, he's still been my pick. He's been so good this season for the Pacers. Right now, the Pacers we had slotted in as one of these tanktastic teams that was going to be the bottom of the barrel. Right now, they're 14 and 13. Tyrese Halliburton is just like casually getting 15 assists and zero turnovers an every game. Yeah, he's been incredible. And so he is the like opposite of LaMelo Ball in that he's not nearly as flashy, although he's a really great passer. But he's just a winning basketball player. He's consistently making winning plays and just doing everything right, not making mistakes. I think right now he's the best out of the, all these players. And the other players have enough flags that I don't think it's a sure thing that any of them overtake him. So I'm taking Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah, that, I think that's that's the right pick. And feels pretty good saying that. I had him second overall in that draft. I wanted the Warriors to pick him. Did not happen. He ended up falling all the way to 12 in the entire night. I remember being in a call with a bunch of people and just being like, all right, this is where Tyrese gets drafted. Like, <laughs> But uh, anyways, 
It's everyone. A, a broken clock first, can be right. <laughs> this is even his like first NBA franchise here. Like somehow the Kings decided to trade him as well. And granted, it's like maybe this is a better fit for him than the Kings, where he might not have taken this leap without being. The he was really good on the Kings, though. The like this hands. is, this but yeah, he was still a good player. This there. isn't the, an unbelievable leap, right? Like this is just him continuing to progress. Like he was really good last year too. So uh, second overall, I think I got to pick Anthony Edwards. The flashes he showed in the playoffs of sort of how he could just lock people up on defense while still being really dynamic on offense, I think make him the pick over Desmond Bain. Um, but you know, it's it's not an easy call. It's just sort of seeing seeing the superstar potential with Anthony Edwards. Like he can really do anything he wants on the basketball court, and you know, like small, 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 tiny sample size in the playoffs, but he looked really good. And so, yeah, yeah. this year, like, the athleticism is, is off the charts. Yeah. But just seeing all the different things he can do and he was putting it together this year, it's like, okay, he hasn't kind of, he hasn't had a great start. You know, there's maturity issues probably, but like those things can somewhat to get solved by age, by experience, like those things. And then I, you know, the IQ on that isn't necessarily there on offense, but the talent certainly is. So I'll take Anthony Edwards. Yeah, and then it feels crazy to not go Lamelo here because Desmond Bain, I think, is a is a great player. He's a really good. He's a solid defender, really good shooter. He's like developed a really much more good a, shooter, like second best shooter after Steph. Yeah, and developed more of a all around offensive game where he can do stuff off the dribble. Now he can run some pick and roll and be a, like a secondary offensive option next to Ja and be like one of the best backcourts in the league. There, maybe the best. Um, but like Lamelo's potential is still is still there. If he puts things together, he could still be the number one offensive option on a really good team. I think. I just, I just don't think that upside right now for me is. It's like there's a small percent chance that that happens. But I'm taking Desmond Bain as a safe option, who I know is going to be a really good player for his whole career. I yeah, Lamelo scares me a bit. The yeah, Charlotte that, situation scares me as well. Like the, the whole team just seems like a dumpster fire. So I just his career I don't think is going to pan out like I thought it would. I I have to agree with you there. Everything you said, I I think I agree with there. I think we made the right order here, and you know, shocking that Lamelo would go fourth. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, definitely did would not have thought that after his rookie season. <laughs> yep, certainly not. <laughs> yeah. All right, I think that's everything we have for you. Another marathon episode of Raptors Review, but we got through a lot of games. Sorry to be so sad about the Raptors, but that's just reacting to what's going on in the court here. Yeah, hopefully, I mean, they only have two games. They can't even really turn it around. But hopefully something good happens this week. I need some silver lining. I need Scotty to do something. Show me a sign, Scotty. Show me a sign that you are <laughs> the chosen one. <laughs> but yeah, that's where we're going to end it for today. If you want to send us an email, you know where to find us. It's raptorsreviewmail at gmail.com. That's raptorsreviewmail at gmail.com. We always appreciate these great emails that we keep getting. Keep it up, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now. Bye-bye.